Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part one of his teaching, Fruit and Gifts. All right, praise the Lord. This morning, we're going to talk about fruit and gifts. Fruit and gifts. Sounds like an advertisement for somebody that makes those baskets, you know. Fruit and gifts. And today, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So I'm starting a series this morning called Fruit and Gifts, in which we're going to discuss the nine supernatural fruit of the Spirit, and then the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit that are available to born-again, Spirit-filled believers. Amen. So this morning, we're going to begin this series by talking about the fruit of the Spirit and use that as a foundation to lead us into an in-depth study of the gifts of the Spirit over the next few weeks or so. And in order to lay that foundation, we need to remember what happened to us when we got born again. Now, a lot happened to us, but this in particular, I want you to get. When we got born again, we didn't just change our religious philosophy. We didn't just pledge to follow a set of rules, a heavenly list of do's and don'ts. No, we were fundamentally changed on the inside when we got born again. We became just like God in every respect on the inside in our spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, and the first part of verse 18 in the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, first part of 18, New King James. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Amen. When you got saved, you got born again, and there was a new man deposited on the inside of you. Your spirit did not just get healed. Your spirit got yanked out. Your old dead spirit got yanked out, and God put a brand new spirit on the inside of you. I don't understand the mechanics of how that happens, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. Amen? And that new creation there, if you read the context, is a new creation without precedent, which never before existed. Isn't that exciting? Amen. And all the things of God are now on the inside of you. Everything in your spirit is made of God stuff. That's the way I think about it. Now, as you've heard me say many, many times, the challenge of the Christian life is to get what's inside you to manifest in your soul and your body so your whole being looks like it's a new man. Amen? Represents Jesus in every respect. Ephesians 4.24 in the New King James Version. Ephesians 4.24 in the New King James Version. Paul says we need to put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Did you hear that? There's a new man on the inside of you that was created just like God in righteousness and holiness. Now, I know 
we're imperfect people, so that's kind of hard for us to get our arms around. One preacher says it like this, one third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. I prefer to think that all of me is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. There's just parts of me that are lagging behind a little bit. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 10 in the New King James Version. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Amen. This is what that scripture says to me. If you walk in and draw on the light that is in you, the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of that light will help you live a life that is acceptable or pleasing to the Lord. Amen. If you walk in the goodness, the righteousness, and the truth that is inside of you, it will help bring that new man from the inside to the outside so people can see Jesus in you. Speaking of that new man, there's no place in Scripture that sums up the characteristics or the fruit of that new man better than Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and the first part of verse 23 in the New King James Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Betting you didn't know those things lived on the inside of you if you didn't read it in your Bible. Amen. All of these things live on the inside of you if you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord. Amen. And whether you see them manifest all the time or not, Half the battle to walking in these things is just realizing that they are on the inside of you. Later on in the series, we're going to talk about the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And in those gifts, there are some powerful and exciting things that you can walk in and operate in as a Spirit-filled believer. Now, as a pretext and as a bit of a tease, I'm going to read the list of the gifts that you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, commonly called the gifts of the Spirit or the supernatural or the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. Let's read that right now, just so that we know that we're going to make a relationship between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Not going to have time to cover all these gifts in detail today because that's for later, but I will give you an overview of what these gifts are all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, New King James Version. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now a word of wisdom is a piece or a parcel of wisdom that you give to a person, place, or thing that is future tense, future tense. Word of knowledge is very similar. It's a piece of knowledge that you're imparted uh, from the Lord that has to do with present or past tense things about a person, place, or a thing. It's supernatural knowledge. It's not, notice it says, 
a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. A word is a part of a sentence, but it's not the whole sentence. So you can think about it like this. It's just a part or a parcel of knowledge. It's a part or a parcel of wisdom that God supernaturally revealed to you to help somebody out there. Amen? All right. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Now, the fact that faith is mentioned as a supernatural gift of the Spirit lets you know that this is not just ordinary faith. This is a supernatural level of faith. This has happened to me a couple of times in my life where I was operating in a level of faith and then someone had a need that required me to operate at a higher level of faith that I wasn't currently walking in and the Holy Spirit simply boosted my faith to get the job done. Amen. That's special gift of faith. Some people call it special gift of faith. Hallelujah. It's sometimes accompanied by a proclamation that comes to pass. For example, Elijah said, it will not rain again in the land of Israel until I say so. Three and a half years later, Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And it started raining three and a half years later. That's an example of gift of faith. All right. Gifts of healings are manifestations of healings that come through you to heal or deliver or set somebody free. Amen. Hallelujah. To another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All right. Working of miracles. Working of miracles involves God using you to do something that bends the laws of nature, like speak to wind and waves and they obey you, or turn water to wine, or speak to someone's body part and it grows back, which I have personally done. That is working of miracles. Amen. And it's powerful and it's wonderful. To another prophecy, prophecy in its simplest form is edification, exhortation, and comfort. Perhaps somebody suffered and they need somebody to build them up. You give them a word of encouragement, a prophetic word, and it builds them up. It edifies them. Perhaps they're wondering where they should go down a certain path on the plan of God for their life. You exhort them to do what God has put in their heart. And it's their confirmation that they need to go down that path. And then comfort. You could give a prophetic word of comfort when somebody has suffered a loss and needs somebody to tell them it's going to be okay they will recover, and God has a plan for them. He loves them, and he's going to set them back on the right path. Okay? Amen? This is a real Reader's Digest condensed version of the gifts of the Spirit because we're going to get into them in more detail, gift by gift, in the next couple of weeks. All right. To another, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits, actually, if you break down the original language there, it is the ability to see into the spirit realm and determine whether a spirit is from God or not. All right, I'll share this with you because it's a mind blower. When Trisha and I were living in Louisiana, we lived in a little cabin on the outskirts of Minden, Louisiana. It was right up against a national forest. I mean, it was our house and the national forest. So as a result, it was a pretty remote area. Critters were always in and out of the house. We even had a tarantula come in the house. We had scorpions in there on a regular basis. We were out there in the boonies and nothing but woods to the back of us. Well, I was laying 
in the bed one night with my wife. I'm laying there in the bed, and I, and I suddenly am awake, and I look at the window on the left-hand side. There was two windows uh, at the back of the, uh, off the foot of the bed and the back of the room there. And all of a sudden, an angel, I saw it, I saw it with my eyes, an angel flew into that window and sort of landed right next to the bed and looked at me. He had wings. He was bright. He was shiny. He was beautiful. I thought, ooh, an angel, you know. And then the angel reached down into my chest and started pulling my spirit out of my body. Suddenly, I had this knowledge on the inside that he was not of God. I just knew. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm going to take you for a ride. I said, you're not of God. You're not taking me anywhere. And he said, well, all right, then. He shoved me back in my body. It was a very strange, strange visitation. And so I woke up and I said, Lord, what was that all about? He said, you've just operated in discerning of spirits and you've seen that not all spirits, even those that appear like a shining angel, are not from God. Amen. I don't know. I think somebody here needed to hear that. Hopefully, y'all don't think I'm weird. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. Amen. I've lived a supernatural life. And my wife has just had to learn to just deal. You know what I'm saying? All right, where were we? Discerning of spirits. All right, to another, different kinds of tongues. Tongues is the ability to speak in a supernatural language. Sometimes it's the language of men. Sometimes it's the language of angels. But it's a language that you did not learn. You just have the ability to speak it. And then interpretation of tongues is the ability to interpret either your tongues or someone else when they're speaking in tongues so the body can benefit and everybody can be edified. Right. I know to a large extent we're preaching to the choir, but this is going out on the podcast and there's a lot of people out there. They just don't know any of this stuff. Amen. There's no thrill quite like the thrill when you operate in the supernatural gift of God. Amen. Uh, let me give you an example. It's story time today. Oh, back in 1989, back in the day when I was flying jet fighters, I found myself in a supersonic jet fighter flying over the desert of Mexico. I was there for training at three to 500 feet and 600 miles an hour. And I have to tell you, I was number four in the formation. And so as number four, you have the luxury of lagging back in the formation and then pouring on the afterburner to catch up just to see how fast you can go, which I did a couple of times. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just saying to the Lord, Lord, this is the most exciting thing I've ever done. It was such a rush. I had a grip on the stick because one wrong pulse and you're in the dirt and you're dead. That's how fast you're going. And you take the stick and you just move it two or three inches to the side there, snap it over, and instantly you're in a 4G turn and you're being pushed down into your chair and uh, the G-suit inflates to counteract and it's just like the biggest rush you've ever experienced and it's hot and it's fast and it's cool and then when you get to the range you drop bombs on top of all that other stuff but as thrilling as that was and I'll never forget it as long as I live it is nothing compared to the experience of a loving God using you to bring healing or deliverance, a word of encouragement to someone through the supernatural gifts of God. 
there's simply nothing like it. Amen. But let me balance all that excitement and hysteria with this. A born-again, spirit-filled believer will never operate powerfully in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit without first developing the nine fruit of the Spirit in their life. And if the essence of the fruit of the Spirit is the love of the Father God, and the gifts of the Spirit are an extension of that love, then it seems to me that walking in love is a prerequisite to operating in the supernatural gifts of God. You cannot run roughshod over people and claim to be anointed and operating in the gifts of God. We've all seen it. Ministers think they're protecting the anointing and they're really just running roughshod over people. Listen, if you're really operating in the gifts, you'll do so in love. Amen? So if you're not willing to pursue the love walk that Jesus displayed 24-7 when he was on the earth, you're not likely to duplicate his miracle ministry either. So if you want to operate in the gifts, then place an emphasis on first developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life and ministry. Embrace the fruit of the Spirit that has been deposited on the inside of you and make a determination that you will not just read it, but you will walk in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, we don't just walk in the fruit of the Spirit to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We walk in the fruit of the Spirit so we can produce fruit for the Lord. Amen? In fact, we were created to produce fruit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and the first part of verse 28. New King James Version. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and the first part of verse 28. New King James. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Did you hear that? Be fruitful and multiply. The first time I read that, I thought it was the same thing. Being fruitful and multiplying are the same thing. Not necessarily. He wanted Adam and Eve to multiply, but he wanted them to produce fruit unto God. Fill the earth and subdue it with the knowledge of God. Isn't that right? We were created to produce fruit. It is in our DNA as human beings. Amen. You can find it also many places in the New Testament, but I like this place here in Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Romans chapter 7, verse 4, in the New King James Version. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Amen. Whether you realize it or not, people will judge you by the fruit that you produce. Listen, if you go to work and you identify yourself as a Christian, either by taking your 25-pound King James Bible to work, or maybe listening to a podcast at your break time, or telling people you go to such and such a church. Once you identify as a Christian, they're going to be looking at your fruit. They become your fruit inspectors. 
They're going to be listening to what comes out of your mouth, and they're going to be looking to see how you live your life. Amen? Matthew 12, 33 through 35, New King James Version. Matthew 12, 33 through 35, New King James Version. Jesus said when he was arguing with the Pharisees, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Amen? You are a tree, metaphorically speaking, and you will be known by the fruit that you produce. Verse 34, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? What's in you sooner or later, is going to come out of you. Amen. Verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. So if you're representing Jesus, i.e., you're the good man that Jesus is talking about here, then you want to represent him well. Amen. You want the fruit that's inside you to show up on the outside so that others are drawn to the Lord. Amen. Not so that others are repelled from the Lord. I mean, some Christians, I mean, they're just hateful. They're just, you know, it's my way or the highway, my doctrine or you're going to hell. You know, that kind of talk repels people from the gospel. But if you really walk in the fruit of the spirit, and allow it to show up in your life, people will be drawn to you. What is it about you? It's so different. You seem to be peaceful all the time. The rest of us are going crazy over this COVID-19, but you don't seem like it bothers you at all. That's because it doesn't. Psalm 91 trumps COVID-19 every time. Hallelujah. I put my trust in the Lord, not in a mask, not in social distancing. Not in any of that. Now, don't get me wrong. We should take precautions that are sensible. But we shouldn't live in fear. All right. Off my soapbox. Hallelujah. Mark 11, verse 12 through 14 in the New King James Version. Mark 11, verse 12 through 14, New King James. Now, a little background here. This is the last week of Jesus' life. He and the disciples are staying in Bethany, which is about a mile and a half from Jerusalem. Every morning they would get up and they would go spend the day in the city and they would come back to Bethany. All right. Now, the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. So they're on their way into the city and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it when he came to it. He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Amen. You know the rest of the story. The tree dried up from the roots. But I want you to see that Jesus cursed the fig tree because it was a fraud. It was a hypocrite. Now, I am told by people in the know that if a fig tree has leaves, it should also have fruit. So it appeared to have fruit, but did not have fruit, and it was a fraud, and Jesus called it out. It said he responded to it. 
Okay, then. You got no fruit for me. You ain't giving nobody no fruit ever again. Amen. There's a lesson there. There's a lot of lessons. There's a lesson about faith later on. But also, there's a lesson here uh, about how we don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be the real deal. Isn't that right? I don't want to be a fraud. I want to be the real deal. I want to be genuine and I want to be authentic as I represent Jesus in my life and ministry. There's nothing that turns the world off more than spiritual frauds. They say one thing and they do something completely different. They expect others to live a certain way, but they don't hold that standard to themselves. Listen, of all the people Jesus dealt with in his earthly life and ministry, and there were plenty of sinners in that group, he was the harshest to the hypocrites. Those that looked on the outside like they were godly, but on the inside, they were full of evil and pride. Amen. Jesus said this to a group of Pharisees. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're nothing but dead men's bones. That's a pretty vivid picture, amen? That's what Jesus thinks about hypocrites. Therefore, I do not want to be one of them. That reminds me of something that happened to me back when I was still flying for the Air Force Reserve. Uh, I had a friend of mine call me, and he was just telling me about his spiritual troubles, and the, the word got out that you know, Colonel Forrest was a, uh, one of those born-again Christians, so I always got the counseling calls from my fellow flyer. So one of my flyer buddies called me up. He was telling me all his troubles, and I said, where do you go to church? He says, well, I, I don't go to church. Church is full of hypocrites. And I said, well, why don't you go anyway? One more won't make that big of a difference. And he said, what? I said, listen, we're all hypocrites to one degree or another, Amen. We're not all living up to what we say we're living up to. We're not perfect, except on the inside. I did actually say that. That's not a joke that I sort of made up. That, that was an actual conversation that I had. Amen. All right. And I need to get back on track. Now I want to shift the focus back to looking at the fruit of the Spirit as it applies to operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. So let's read again from Galatians 5, 22 and the first part of 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to talk for just a few minutes about the fruit of love. Love here is the cornerstone of all the fruit of the Spirit. All the other things listed there emanate from the love of God, which has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. Isn't that right? Without love, the gifts of the Spirit will not come forth as powerfully and as effectively as the Holy Spirit desires. Let me illustrate by reading from 1 Corinthians 13, the so-called love chapter, in which the Apostle Paul writes about love in the context of spiritual gifts. Amen? No, it's okay to pull it out of its context and apply it to generally living for God and walking in love. But, you know, today I really want to look at it in the context of spiritual gifts. All right. 
So even though we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit as it relates to operating in the gifts of the Spirit, I think you'll agree as you read through these that the characteristics of love that Paul lays out can and should be applied to everyday life, not just operating in the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 8, in the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, New King James Version. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Or like one preacher I admire said, like a donkey braying in a tin barn. So Paul is saying, listen, if you're talking in tongues and you don't have love, you know, you're just making noise. You're not going to be effective. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Basically, no matter how impressively you operate in the gifts, if you do it without love, you're accomplishing nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You know, the picture being painted here is somebody that sets themselves up to be martyred just for the show of it. And Paul is saying, if you're doing that, you get zero reward for being a martyr. Amen? Because it's all about you. It's all about the show. It's all about what you sacrificed. Four, verse four, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. That word there, puffed up, we would say is not arrogant. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. There, where it says thinks no evil, that means you don't take account and write down every time somebody does you wrong. You don't have a black book and keep all your enemies in there and all the things that they've done against you and pull it out at the appropriate time to exact your revenge against them, you know? Verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Love never fails. Always go with love. All right, real quickly, let's talk about applying the fruit of the Spirit to operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And let's read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. First part of 23 again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the, for the rest of the message, what I want to do is I want to apply the fruit of the Spirit we find here in these verses to operating in the gifts of the Spirit in a way that I've never heard anybody else do. And this is my first time doing this, so appropriate grace would be appreciated. All right, so I'm going to break these words down as we get to them. Each of these words, I looked at them extensively in the original language, and this is what I came up with. First of all, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love is the cornerstone. Everything is built upon love. All the other uh, fruit of the Spirit emanate from the love of God. It is the God kind of love. 
Everywhere the phrase the love of God is used in the New Testament, with one exception, you find that word agape. And I found out through the audio that it's supposed to be agape. I thought, who would have thought? I've been saying agape for years. I probably will continue to say it that way. But anyway, it's the God kind of love. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit are an extension of the love of God toward mankind. Never lose sight of that. It's God's love wanting to help hurting people. He wants to encourage. He wants to save. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver because he's a loving heavenly father. Listen, God wants you to move in the gifts more than you do because it's an extension of his love toward mankind and you're his willing vessel. Joy and peace. When you walk in the joy and peace that God has put inside you, you can extend that joy to others through the gifts of the Spirit. A word of encouragement, a word of confirmation, a word of exhortation given to someone at exactly the right time can bring great joy and peace to a troubled mind. Amen. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Listen, sometimes when you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you have to be long-suffering. That means you have to suffer long. You have to be patient. You got to put up with people that will test your patience. Some people always want you to give them a word from the Lord instead of seeking God for themselves. Amen. I've had that happen to me when I was the director of a Bible school. Do you have a word for me, Brother Scott? <laughs> yes, read your Bible. <laughs> Listen, there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's, and it's this. You can't manufacture a word from the Lord. If you try, you're going to get in trouble. Don't go there. You have to be willing to treat these people with kindness anyway and do your level best to show them the goodness of God. Amen. All right. The word faithfulness here in the New King James is actually better translated faith. It's talking about faith. So there's a measure of faith that's in you as a fruit of the spirit. And sometimes, as I referred to earlier, that faith will be boosted by the Holy Spirit so that you can operate at a much higher level of faith than you're ordinarily walking in. Amen. Many call it the special gift of faith, and it's usually accompanied by a proclamation of some kind. It's designed to meet a need that calls for a level of faith above what you are currently walking in. And the Holy Spirit deems you to be the only available vessel. Amen. All right. Gentleness. This word is actually meekness, humility. And I want to make sure that you know that meekness is not weakness. The world thinks it is. But the Bible says Moses was the most meek man in all the earth. Meek means teachable. To walk in humility means that you see others more important than you see yourself. Amen. When the Lord starts using you in the gifts of the Spirit, don't get lifted up in pride. Stay meek, stay teachable, stay humble, realizing that it's not your power, but it's God's power flowing through you. Don't think of yourselves more highly than others that are not yet operating in the gifts of the Spirit. All right, finally, self-control. Wouldn't we all like some self-control every once in a while? You know, when you're in a church service or a meeting of some kind and you've got a word that is burning in your spirit and you know it's from God 
and the service goes on, and then there's no opportunity presented to you to give that word. I've had that happen to me many times. Times like that, you have to exercise self-control. Paul says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. So you have to wait until the Lord gives you the right time to give that word. It may happen after the service. Someone else may give the identical word and you're going, I should have spoke up earlier. You know, That's happened to me a lot. Hey, listen, you should just rejoice that that person got the right word at the right time in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. By the way, this exact scenario we've just been talking about is described in 1 Corinthians 14, which we'll be getting to as this series progresses. All right, then. I've got cotton mouth. Therefore, we're going to wrap this thing up. Amen. I should have got some water here, but I'm like, that, that, that. All right. Remember, if you want to move powerfully in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, you have to be willing to develop the supernatural fruit of the Spirit in your life. One more time. I'm going to list them out. This time the way the original Greek language spoke to me. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, humility, self-control. Amen? Next week, we'll be delving more deeply into the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, Fruit and Gifts. If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at gofaithlife.com. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.